I felt deprived, you know, growing up. And so when I started earning my own money, I was a little bit like a kid in a candy store. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles, and tips for building healthy money habits. I'm Todd Christensen, host of the Money Fit Show podcast. And on today's episode, I welcome a financial coach who overcame $60,000 of debt as a single mom to retire well in her 50s and focus on helping others develop healthier money mindsets. If you build it, they will come. Elisa Locke's career in the insurance and financial services industries gave her the knowledge about money But it was her own financial journey going from being a broke single mother with $60,000 of debt to being able to comfortably retire in her 50s that compelled her to become a financial coach. Elisa felt called to help people understand their relationship with money, improve their money habits, and gain confidence around their finances. Money Mentor Group provides individual counseling, a financial counseling, group counseling or coaching courses and workshops. And it is my pleasure to welcome you, Elisa Locke, to the Money Fit Show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. It's it's great to have you here. And as I mentioned to you, and as uh, listeners know, I always start off with a uh, uh, get to know you kind of a question. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Did you always want to be in finance? Uh, No, actually, (laughs) growing up, I was really bad at math. And in fact, I would say even today, I don't consider numbers or math to be my strong suit. Uh Um, I had no inclination as a young adult that this would be the the path my life would take. So, um, no, it it was not what I intended to do. Yeah. You know, what what second or third grader says, I want to go into business or money. That's, <laughs> right. I think most of us, uh, it wasn't until I was in my 20s and having experiences with finance, good or bad, mostly bad, that I'm like, I should look into this a little more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I didn't even have, um, you know, finances um, in, on my radar screen, even in my 20s. So yeah. you were ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I just make my mistakes early, I guess. <laughs> You, uh, Elisa, you are open on on uh, at least uh, things that I've been reading about you know, your some experience earlier in your, in let's say in your thirties, where you um, did have all that debt. Mm. Can can we go back a few years and talk about how you where you found yourself then and and what what you were going through, what you felt was was happening. Oh, a- absolutely. You know, I think when you go through a period of your your life that's traumatic for you mm-hmm. in some way, um, even though, you know, it's now 20, 30 years later, well, not that many, 20 years later, um, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like it was yesterday because yeah. the emotions associated with that time period um, were really you know, for, for me, something that was such a struggle. Um, 
I, you know, I, I grew up um, in a household where my parents set a very good example for me when it came mm-hmm. to money. You know, they they lived frugally, they saved. Um, but somehow when I was a young adult and I started earning money for myself, I felt deprived, you know, growing up. And so when I started earning my own money, I was a Mm -hmm. little bit like a kid in a candy store. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted a beautiful luxury car. And so I financed, you know, I I had a car payment, a pretty hefty car payment. Um, I wanted to redo my kitchen. And so, of course, I financed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some student loans from graduate school. And so, unfortunately, um, when I got divorced from my first husband and uh, became a single mother. When I left that marriage, I had $60,000 of debt that was made up of some credit card debt, some student loan debt, and a car payment. Um, And I had virtually no savings um, because I, you know, didn't think about the long term consequences of my decisions back then. I was just, you know, living for today. You know, I I had a little bit of that. What do they call it? YOLO. You only live once. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Or FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. Those acronyms we have now. Yeah. And so, yeah, found myself in a, a. you know, pretty precarious situation. Alyssa, you you mentioned the word trauma, traumatic uh, during that experience, which typically uh, talks. About, we, we think about having some long lasting effects, or, or that we we need to deal with at some point. What would you say were some of those uh, things that you took from that experience that uh, might have long lasting consequences? You know, for me, I use the word traumatic or or trauma because Mm -hmm. that's how it felt to me at the time. Now, some people would have, you know, said, well, why was this so upsetting to you? It's just kind of normal, right? I mean, doesn't everybody finance a car, right? Doesn't everybody have student loans, right? It's kind of the American way, right? So I, I... it, it wasn't that our spending was so out of control, really. It was the fact that as I became this single mother, you know, on my own, I mean, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I would lay awake at night, staring at the ceiling, just saying to myself, how did I get here? Like, how did I end up in this situation? I know better. You know, how am I ever going to give my daughter the life that I want for her? You know, I want to be able to send her to college. I want to be able to buy a a nice house for, for, you know, she and I to live in. I, I want to be able to retire someday and not be a burden on her. So it was really wanting a certain life for my daughter that propelled me to say to myself, there's got to be another way. I want to live my life differently. And, And thankfully, because of that 
experience for me, I felt emotionally like I had just hit such a bad place that it propelled me forward in a positive way to become more financially literate, to learn about money, to dive into my emotions and beliefs around money, you know, which is that mm. mindset part, that relationship yeah. part, and then be able to change my behavior around money. You know, a lot of a lot of the guests I, I uh, ask uh, about in the, um, in their journey about a moment, and uh, so I didn't even have to ask you about that because you you've shared that. What what kind of resources? I mean, you talk about a, a mind shift change, and what and and financial uh, educating yourself financially. What kind of resources, or did you find a mentor, or what? Where did you turn? for help at that point? Well, back then, um, you know, the internet wasn't what it was today. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have YouTube. Like we just, those things didn't even exist. So, I mean, this is old school, but I went to my local library and I checked, yeah. And I (laughs) checked out any book I could possibly find on credit, on real estate, on the stock market, on investing, on banking, Mm -hmm. on personal finance. You know, there was very, very little written about money mindset in those days. So I would just check out all these books and and read. Um, and, And that was helpful, but to an extent. Um, because I had the knowledge and that was great, but there was something else that I had to do that would enable me to change my behavior. Uh And what I realized is that in order to kind of change my mindset, I needed to change the world around me and who I was associating with. And Mm. I remembered back in high school, my parents always wanted to know who you're hanging out with, right? Like, are you hanging out with the good kids? Right. And Uh I put that in air quotes, like the kids who were, you know, involved in school activities, who were academically focused, who were on the college track, like they wanted me hanging around with those kids as opposed to the kids that were maybe drinking or doing drugs or, you know, whatever. And so I started thinking about, well, who's in my world right now? Because if I'm on this journey to have a different relationship with my money, I'm going to need a support system around me of people who are on a similar journey. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a lot of the friends I had were just not on a similar journey. You know, and every time they wanted to get together, it involved, you know, some retail therapy, right? Going shopping with the girls or going out to lunch or getting Mm -hmm. our nails and our hair done together. And I just, it isn't that I didn't enjoy doing those things because I did. And frankly, I still do. But Mm -hmm. if I was going to reach the money goals I had, I had had to um, cut back on those things until I could fit them into my spending and savings plan. And Mm -hmm. so I started to just gravitate naturally towards those kind of friends and family that were on a similar financial journey. And that support system was huge for me Mm -hmm. in helping me achieve some of my financial goals. You know, some, some people might hear that. um, 
And I appreciate you sharing that with me because I think it's it's really uh, insightful and important. Some people's first reaction might might be be to oh you can't give up friends it, it it's almost like you're being shallow that becomes superficial that it's all about money but in reality is is it, how do you how do you do you see it like well actually just getting together just to do financial stuff that can that can be kind of shallow am I off base on that or well we didn't get together to do financial stuff yeah or I mean to go, was, spend, to go spending money but yeah so um, you know I. The first thing I did was I told my friends about my financial journey. Um, I was very transparent and I said, I just want to live a little differently. And interestingly enough, some of my friends said to me, oh, my God, I want to do this, too. Let's help Uh each other. I want to, you know, change. You know, I'm so glad you shared this with me because I've been thinking about it, too. Exactly. And that was fantastic. And I had some people who didn't understand, Mm -hmm. didn't care, didn't want to live the same life, you know. And so Mm -hmm. if I suggested, hey, instead of us going out to lunch and then getting our nails done, you know, which would mean I would, you know, blow, you know, whatever, 75 bucks in an afternoon that I wanted to do something else with. Right. 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 And I would suggest, Hey, why don't we go on a hike? Right. Or Mm -hmm. why don't we go to the park or why don't we go to a free museum or a free arts festival or, you know, something else. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, some of them didn't didn't want to do it. And they were just not in that position yet. Not, right. not in that mindset. And it wasn't that I completely cut off those friends. Yeah. You know, but um I just spent less time with them because we were just I was just going in a different direction. Well that how hard was that to 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 start bringing that up? Uh the because, first I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the first time I said it. I was so nervous and it was it was really hard because, frankly, my debt for me came with a lot of shame mm-hmm. um, and it was it was hard. Um, but, you know, the first person I told had such a positive reaction. Um, it gave me the confidence to just accept that, you know, this is where I am, but this is where I am right now. It's yeah. not where I'll always be. Mm-hmm. Kudos to that friend. Yeah. Um, shame. Uh, I think that is almost a universal feeling when it comes to debt. Is it? Uh, is it all negative? It, I mean, can you? Can you? Did you? Where did that come from? Where does it come from? And how can we deal with that in a better way? Oh, what a good question! You know, for me. Like I said before, I knew better. Like mm-hmm. I uh, came from a household of very fiscally responsible parents mm-hmm. who were, um, you know, money was not taboo in our household like it is in so many families. Not that my parents told me particulars about what they earned or how much right. they had in their retirement accounts, but they educated us. They tried to set a good example. So for me, part of the shame came from the fact that I knew what I was doing was in my mind wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody feels that way, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we have to um, be careful with the word wrong because that's mm-hmm. judgmental. Mm-hmm. It was me judging myself. Okay. Um, so, you know, so for me, that shame came from feeling like this was not how I was raised. This is not what, you know, we do in our family, in our culture, in our, you know, um, group, you know, friend, friends group, like all of that. It just felt for me like it was not, um, I was not living the path that I wanted to. So, uh, dealing with, uh, uh, talking to friends about it, then it seems like is one thing. Did you ever talk to your folks about it? I did not. That would be the toughest thing. I did not. Cause that shame was too great. I, I, I did not. Um, yeah, but it may not have been a, a, a requirement for you to, I mean, it wasn't a requirement for you to make that mindset change. Right. Right. In fact, part of it spurred me on, um, Mm -hmm. And part of my journey was uh, to almost prove to my parents Mm -hmm. that um, I could achieve the financial goals that I wanted to, because I knew that would make them proud. Yeah, sure. Of course. I'm sure they are. Now, uh, single parenthood, coming out of divorce, um, there's a lot of people in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what, what's something that you wish you had uh, considered or looked at differently going into single parenthood, financial wise? Um, you know, um, I, I think you know what I would have looked at differently is I would have given myself more grace mm-hmm. and more forgiveness. Um, you know, I, I think now looking back, um, I was hard on myself in some Mm -hmm. ways and, um, I I would have just been a little kinder, I think, to myself. Kindness can never be overdone. (laughs) Exactly. I I think that's, uh, did you have, um, what was your experience with the, I don't know, you wouldn't want to get into too many particulars, but. Did you have any issues with the divorce decree as far as uh, debts and misunderstanding how that worked, how things were split? No, I mean, this was a very amicable divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not one of these ugly, horrible, you know, it was um, mutual. It was amicable. Okay. My ex-husband, um, you know, was um, somebody that I had known since second grade, believe oh, wow. it or not. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we remained on, um, you know, friendly terms, we remain, I shouldn't say past tense, cool. remain on friendly terms to yeah. this day, even though we have, you know, both long remarried and have, yeah. you know, more children, et cetera. Cool. Yeah. That's, I, I asked that because we, we so often see people coming into our offices a year after the divorce and saying, I, he or she was supposed to take care of this debt and they're not. And mm. So that's uh, that's a positive. That's a, 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 just telling about your experience. Um, so going back, um, maybe even before uh, you got married or into young adulthood, uh, thinking about the things that your parents taught you 
what's one that you, you you're like, Oh, that's the one, or that's, a, that's something that I wish I really would have just, that would have made a lot life a lot easier if I just followed that either lesson or uh, example. Yeah. Uh, probably um, living more frugally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for me, um, I got into the mentality of I deserve. So yeah. we think about that phrase, I deserve, right? Yep. We say to ourselves, oh, I've had such a stressful week at work, mm-hmm. right? I deserve on the weekend to, you know, go shopping, um, you know, uh, go to a fancy dinner, you know, get a massage, <laughs> right? Fill in the blank, whatever, right. you know, float your boat, right? Or we say, you know, um, gosh, you know, we're having trouble in the marriage. We deserve to go on this fabulous vacation together in order to solve our problems, right? Or, you know, this, I deserve, I deserve, right? Or, you know, I work so many hours, I deserve to have a cleaning lady, somebody to mow my lawn, somebody to walk my dog, like, you know, somebody to, you know, drive my kids around, like whatever, right? I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And I say, no, what you deserve is to have money in the bank. Mm -hmm. What you deserve is to have a secure financial future. That's what you deserve way more than the new pair of shoes you picked up this weekend because they were super cute. Uh So, you know, I think we need to be very careful around the, um, you know, mantras that we say to ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves about money, especially around this, I deserve. Yeah. I believe in the power of words. I totally uh, understand that. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. Are, uh, I mean, you grew up with parents who were very good with their money. I, I was the same way and I kind of went the same direction as you did. How uh, did you make a conscious um, effort to do something, uh, add something different to the mix with your own daughter? Or I think you said daughter, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, um, I I think for me, like everybody has a money story, right? And for your Mm -hmm. listeners who aren't familiar with kind of what we mean when we say a money story, it's basically um, the messages that you heard growing up around money, right? Mm -hmm. It could be messages Mm -hmm. you got from your parents. It could be messages you got from your peers. It can be messages you got from the environment in which you live. It can even be Mm -hmm. messages from your culture or your religion. And all of that formulates in adulthood, your mindset and relationship around money. And as a financial coach, I do a lot of work with people, helping them understand why they do what they do with their money. Because only then can they really change any money behaviors that they want to. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, for me, I had a mindset of of scarcity and deprivation growing up, because even though my parents were solidly middle class, I always felt poor. Mm-hmm. And I felt poor because they were big savers. They lived very frugally so that they could save. And I grew up in an extremely wealthy environment. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Fairfield County, Connecticut, yeah. um, which is a suburb of New York, very wealthy. And so I saw wealth all around me. 
And we were middle class and frugal middle class to boot, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. because I always felt, um, you know, this this scarcity, right? Like I didn't have the right clothes or shoes or house or my parents didn't drive a nice car or, you know, mm-hmm. I come back from spring break and people would say, oh, we went, you know, to Aruba and they say, what did you do? And I say, um, stayed home, you know, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, So as a young adult, then for me, in order to feel, you know, successful and beautiful and confident and pretty and, you know, smart and all of those things, I spent, spent, spent Mm -hmm. so that I could not feel, um, you know, that scarcity mindset anymore. Yeah. I, I sometimes, I sometimes share my classes uh, that, uh, there's a difference when a child asks, can I have money for this? There's a, there's a big difference between saying we don't have money for that or just say no. And um, saying that's not a priority. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So you, you had asked me about, um, you know, kind of what I taught my daughter mm-hmm. and um, my, um, what I tried to do with my daughter was of course, provide all the basics for her, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. Um, and a couple extras, like she was a um, competitive gymnast growing mm. up and then a competitive cheerleader growing up. Yep. And um, she just loved that. It was a passion. I mean, she's 31 and she still coaches high school cheerleading, right? Because oh, cool. she just loves that. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of an extra like she always had. But if she wanted something right, like clothes or shoes or as she became a young adult, you know, a car or whatever, mm-hmm. I always made her contribute something towards the purchase of those wants so that she learned the lesson of, OK, if you want something, you have to earn money in order to mm-hmm. buy it. Right. Yep. Two, it taught her. Um, that while we want immediate gratification, that's not really a healthy way to live. Right. And so I taught her that lesson of, okay, if you want something, you have to save up for it. Um, and I think I also talked to her a lot about my own financial decisions. Mm -hmm. So I would say things like, you know, um, we are going to drive someplace instead of flying, because here's the difference in what it would cost. Mm -hmm. Right. And instead, I want to take that money and I'm saving up for fill in the blank. So she would understand depriving of us of that. There's a reason for it. Right. And it's just choosing me. It's me telling my money where to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And making those choices so that then as a young adult, she understood the decision making process when it came to money. A lot lot of parents are are a little, not more, little, often more than a little hesitant to share um, a lot of information about finances, whether they've missed because they've made mistakes or they're worried about information getting out. Um, What's your your experience, Ben? Um, You know, um, I was always pretty transparent about money. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I did get remarried, just so your listeners know, Uh um, to a man who had two children from his first marriage. 
So we got married and immediately we had three children. And then about Uh two years later, we had a fourth child together. So, you know, even though we were two working parents, when you have four kids, you know, um, you know, you have to watch your budget. And so one of the things we did was kind of adopt these, you know, kind of money habits for all of our kids. And we would talk at the dinner table about money, you Mm -hmm. know, and we would um, say things like, you know, um, if if you guys want a car, you know, you have to contribute a certain amount towards the car. We don't just give you the car because that was just our philosophy. You know, our kids would always complain (laughs) um, that when we went to the beach, because we love the beach. When we yeah. would go to the beach, we would bring our food and drinks with us as opposed to buying on the boardwalk, like right. you know, all the cool kids did. They always yep. complained about that. Yep. And we said, look, if we do that, if we buy our lunches every day, here's what we'll spend over the course of a week. Right. Mm -hmm. If we bring our lunches, it's, you know, so nominal. So we would say to them, instead, why don't we take that money and do something else really fun with it? Right. And so we would then talk about, oh, what else we could do? And it just taught them the whole decision making process around money. Love that. I love that. Elisa, um, as we approach the end of our our conversation here, um, I want to ask you and i and i really appreciate again your transparency and your willingness to to come up and talk about all this information because i know that there's a lot of people in similar going through a lot of similar situations and take some positive things from that but i want to ask you for uh, if you could share with our listeners one piece of uh, advice financial advice or uh, wisdom that has been important to you over the years yeah, you know, the, the one of the first things I read was you have to create a budget, right? And you have mm-hmm. to stick to a budget. Mm-hmm. And I read that everywhere. And everybody told me that. And all I could say to myself is that sounds like torture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yep. the thought of doing that was so abhorrent to me. I just, I could, I'm like, I, I'm not doing it. It just, yeah. I, I know I'll never stick with it. Yep. So it dawned on me, well, most of the things in my you know life when it comes to money are the same every month my rent yeah. is the same every month right yeah. my car payment same every month right my cell phone bill same every month i don't need to track those things cuz it's the same every month right yeah. so i it dawned on me that the only thing i needed to track were all those extras yeah. And so yeah. um, what I did was um, and this was some, something that I did, which made, you know, budgeting really easy. And this is what I kind of coach my clients you know, on as well. All I did every month was take a certain amount of money and automatically transfer a certain amount into two different accounts. And when I say mm-hmm. different accounts, accounts other than my regular, you know, main checking account. Yeah. So one, yeah. So one was what I call my me money. Mm-hmm. And me money is a certain amount of money that I give myself every month to just blow on whatever I want. Yeah, uh, I got fun money. Yeah, I totally fun get money, it. me money, same thing. Yep. Yep. I want to go grab coffee. I want to buy new shoes. 
I have that money and a debit card is connected with that. And when the money's gone, the money's gone. Right. And it Guilt allows spending, me. Right? Yes. Best thing I ever did. Yeah. And then what really trips everybody up when it comes to budgeting are all of the expenses that are not emergencies because we we know they're coming. Right. Right. But we forget about them. There's things we pay annually or things like, you know, it's your your mother's birthday. You, it comes every year. It's not a, yeah. a surprise, right. but, you know, right. we don't put that in our regular budget. So I figured yep. out an amount that I would just transfer every month into that. I call it my variable account. And then I have money to pull from when these expenses come up that I forgot about, right? Or didn't plan yeah. for, or are variable in nature, whatever. And then it's not going on a credit card. And that was just an easy way for me to manage my money. I, I so critical. So you got, you got birthdays, you probably got vacations in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, things like, you know, I know every spring we mulch in front of yeah. our house. Right. Yeah. Well, we spend 50 bucks in mulch. Right. Again, yeah. not something we that's in our budget because it's once a year. But if I don't have a pool of money to pull from, guess what? It's going to end up on the credit card yep. and I might not be able to pay it. Yeah. And we end up more expensive because of interest. Exactly. Alisa, how can how can our listeners find you online? Well, um, I would love people to go to my company website, which is www.moneymentorgroup.com. On our website, you can find information about all our different services, our one-on-one -on -one coaching, our group coaching, all of our different courses and workshops. There's also tons of freebies on there, free mm -hmm. calculators and resources and checklists. Um, to help people, um, you know, reach their financial goals. And then people can follow me on um, my social media. Money Mentor Group is on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And I have my own Instagram page called Your Money Mama, where I put all kinds of videos and resources. And I would love people to check it out. Awesome. I'll definitely be putting that in our show notes. Uh, Alisa Locke, thank you so much for your time today with us and for uh, sharing your experience with our listeners. It's been great having you here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Please do check out our podcast archives at moneyfit.org slash podcast. Please do subscribe here to this channel. It does help us uh, uh, become more visible for others so that they can uh, find it uh, more easily and we can spread the love. So until next time, let me just say, please stay money fit and stay well.